welcome back to the podcast. It's Michaela here, and I'm joined by a wonderful friend of mine, Elise. Hi, Elise. Hey, Michaela. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm great. Um, so why don't you first tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive into more questions? Say, like, your major, your class, your hometown? Yeah, sure. So I'm from Waco, Texas. Uh, I'm a sophomore here at Wheaton, and I'm studying art history and anthropology in Spanish, too. Wow, that's a hefty workload you've got there. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you guys haven't gotten a chance to check out Elise's piece for our newest issue for the spring titled in Eden, yay, um, then I would definitely encourage you guys to check it out. Um, it's titled Shiny Happy Protestant Dreamland, Waco Tourism and Contested Pilgrimage. So this is an essay that you've written, am I right? Yes. Yes, and it's a very academic kind of piece, would you say so? Yeah, I wrote it for a class. So, okay, so yeah. that makes sense. You have yeah. like a lot of citations in the end. Um, so this is just an amazing um, kind of exploration of like the different, um, I think, the different conflicts between the locals and the tourists with Waco, since I'm sure most of us, you know, Wheaton people know like Chip and Joanna Gaines. Mm -hmm. So with the rise of their kind of HGTV show, Fixer Upper, kind of what has sparked this I think, like, pilgrimage or um, great kind of tourist boom in your hometown. Mm -hmm. And so this is, like, your exploration of this. Um, so would you kind of like to share a little bit about, like, your writing process and what inspired you to choose Waco as this kind of the subject of your essay? Yeah, sure. So uh, I wrote this for a class, like I said. It was um, a quad class for anthro, culture, travel, and tourism with Dr. Howell would highly recommend it. It was such an interesting class. Mm -hmm. But um, so the end project for this class was to just study tourism in some yeah. shape or form. So that could be like a certain kind of tourism, like mm -hmm. dark tourism or okay. like a place. So um, I just chose to do my hometown because ever since the like tourism boom happened, like I was there, I watched it happen. And yeah. I've had lots of informal conversations about it with friends, family, and stuff like that, and so yeah. even, like, experienced being close to the tourist destination downtown, because my mm -hmm. school was, like, a block away, Okay. so I was just, like, really excited for the uh, opportunity to look at it academically this mm -hmm. time, and it was really fun, yeah. Yeah, so how did, like, what was your research kind of um, process like? Like, where did you kind of start looking? I know you mentioned some informal conversations, but I'm guessing you needed some very academic and a little bit more, like, reliable should someone say, um, sources for this piece? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I guess I, I just kind of just started researching by looking like on, you know, Buswell and like mm -hmm. just the normal places you go to to research. Yeah. I talked to my subject librarian and she was mm -hmm. really helpful. And it was, I mean, of course, it was a struggle to find academic sources on Magnolia because yeah. there aren't any. <laughs> There aren't any. It's a relatively new thing, mm -hmm. and um, anthropologists and sociologists have bigger fish to fry a lot of the time. <laughs> yes. um, so this is sort of like this weird niche thing, but mm -hmm. I still thought it was interesting. And so I found various... I, I What I had to do, and this is like kind of what you see in the essay, but I had to apply studies of other places to yeah. Waco and studies of other kinds of phenomena phenomena <laughs> and uh like kind of apply them mm -hmm. into like a big conglomeration of what Waco is I guess um but yeah it was cool because I 
I watched, like, vlogs and, like, mm-hmm. read blog posts from, like, moms who went to Waco. <laughs> I, like, talked to people. Yeah. I read sources. So it was, like, a cool mix of, like, mm-hmm. um, engaging with, like, journalism, informal, like, social media, mm-hmm. and actual people, and academic sources. So I kind of, like, spread my net wide in that regard. Yeah, that's a very holistic kind of <laughs> research approach. Um, yeah, so talking about, like, the other locations, you have, like, Mount Airy, and then... This other place, I think it's San Giovanni Rotondo. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of in learning about these two other places, kind of what, we, what was your reaction like to learn that there were places like Waco, in a sense, with the tourist kind of boom? It was I, it was the, the point in the research where, see, in research, there's always the point where you're just like, you're just throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. And you're yeah. reading everything and you're like, I have no idea what's happening, what's happening. Yeah. And then you talk to people and then it just all falls into place. And I feel like with these two places, that's mm-hmm. when it that happened. Like yeah. it didn't even seem like I was like inventing it. It just seemed mm-hmm. like it just came to me. So yeah. with um, Mount Airy, mm-hmm. actually, um, when I talked to my aunt and uncle for this project, yeah. they described Waco as like, a Mayberry town. Okay. And I like didn't remember what Mayberry was. <laughs> and then later when I was looking up sources, I like found these articles about Mayberry. Yeah. Or Mount Airy is the real name of the town. And like it just all came together. I was like, oh my gosh, they were literally saying that. Mm-hmm. And this source is saying that. So clearly there's something going on here. Yeah, that is that is really true. And then with the um San Giovanni Rotondo mm-hmm. uh city in Italy. So it was like they used the word fanatics and were like disparaging the extra fanatic tourists mm-hmm. that they found, even though they liked Padre Pio. Mm-hmm. And then I found the same thing in Waco where people were like, those fanatical fans are crazy. <laughs> and so it was just so cool that like, again, like two completely separate sources yeah. indicated the same thing. I thought that was really neat. Yeah, I think the parallels in just kind of your process of exploring your own hometown is it's it must be just an interesting experience mm-hmm. um, to find those little connections. Um, so what kind of, I know obviously everybody holds their hometown a little closer to their heart than other cities, but what has Waco kind of meant to you as a child growing up? Hmm, That's a really interesting question. I mean, I didn't think about it much, of course, when I was a kid. Um, I wasn't mm-hmm. born there, but we moved there like pretty soon after mm-hmm. me and my sister were born. So it it is, like, my hometown. I've yeah. always lived there as far as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I guess I didn't think about it much growing up. I always thought it was just, like, the normal town. Like, <laughs> I th- maybe everyone thinks that about their hometown, but That's it's, like, true. not too big, not too small. Like, just normal vibe. <laughs> and then um, people started getting interested in it, like, after Fixer Upper. And there was, like, a lot of development and gentrification, mm-hmm. and it just became, like, this kind of different place. Um mm-hmm. And so I think that's when I, like, started to start thinking about it critically. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely it is not a perfect place. And I talk about that in the essay. Like, we yeah. have some dark things in our history. And mm-hmm. it kind of just, like, keeps happening. Yeah. People, like, in the uh, journalistic articles I read, like, mm-hmm. people are making fun of Wake Like, they just can't catch a break. Like, bad things just keep happening there. Oh. But um, that's almost, like why you like it just because it's yours like not because of a special reason or because Mm -hmm. it's the best but just because it's like the place where I have some roots and uh keep going back to I guess Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's definitely true um do you see yourself returning back to Waco in the future to live Um, long term that's a good question too I that's something I struggle with because like I do want to like keep going with school after graduation but Mm -hmm. 
um, my family is super important to me and yeah. like being close to them is too. So it just really depends. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not stressing about it a whole lot. I, I like my arrangement right now where I like return there during yes. the breaks um, and get like Waco and other places too. So mm-hmm. maybe that'll keep going. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, so kind of shifting a little bit to just the general um, issue kind of theme. So what do you kind of imagine when you think of Eden? And, you know, in res- in relation to that kind of, how did you see your piece fitting in with your idea of Eden? Yeah, so um, Eden, I guess, is like, to me, I, I just kind of think of, one, like the natural world, because that's just a conflation mm. we make a lot, like in our language. Yeah. Um, but also like this kind of state of like, primeval innocence or whatever um and I guess how my piece would relate to that is you know you hear a lot like people want to go back to Eden Mm -hmm. like that's sort of the the thing that you think of when you think of Eden and I guess it's that's not entirely accurate because like theologically Eden is is like the before and not necessarily like the after like you're we're not just trying to go back to Eden. We're trying to, like, go to the new Eden and, like, beyond. Because mm-hmm. just, like, innocence doesn't imply, like, fullness and perfection necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's, like, and I, I kind of, like, was thinking about this with my essay and, like, how people have this nostalgia and, like, want to go back to, like, some simpler mm-hmm. time when America is America or whatever. And, like, mm-hmm. that's, but even just, like, longing for, like, what was before, that's not, even though you, you you think you're longing for innocence, like, that longing mm-hmm. isn't entirely innocent. Mm-hmm. So that was something I explored in the essay, and I think that, like, how it relates to Eden is, like, yes, we can, like, celebrate this innocent state or whatever. Maybe this doesn't apply to my essay entirely, just Eden. Mm-hmm. But, but like, that's not what you're striving for. You're not just trying to return to something. Yeah. You're trying to, like, move forward into, like, the fullness of the new thing, so... Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, looking at, like, one of the sentences that you have in the conclusion, which goes, like, especially with the media visibility of the games, is Waco has a fairly good opportunity to address the ways that the small-town Americana narrative excludes those who are not white, well-off Protestants. So when I read that, I was thinking kind of, like, along the lines of what you said with renewal in the terms that you're still growing and you're continuing to move forward. Like, our Mm -hmm. goal is not to go back in time or long for the past. Um... This is kind of like, hopefully, you you also mentioned how Waco never seems to catch a good break. <laughs> so with that in mind, I'm kind of visually envisioning this kind of better um, future for Waco, like your hometown, in the terms that it can grow from its past and become this better kind of homeland for a lot of other people. Yeah, definitely. I think you summarized mm-hmm. that really well, Michaela. Yeah. Um, and so in relation to kind of this renewal and growth, there's also this kind of idea of perfection and idealism. So how do you kind of cope with that personally when you think about, especially in like with what you talked about, your homeland, um, what do you kind of, what has been helpful to you as you kind of cope with these, I think, these dark bits of Waco? Hmm. Um, definitely what's helpful is talking about it. Mm-hmm. It's not helpful to just be like, well, let's pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. That's not helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also not helpful to just like try to sweep differences under the rug. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of something that 
is like in the contestation of pilgrimage places, which I talk yeah. about. Like I actually kind of see that as not entirely a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like that people are butting heads and clashing, and like out of that yeah. usually comes, um, if not agreement, at least understanding. Or it can. Mm-hmm. It can also go the other way and be bad. But <laughs> we can look at if we're thinking about it in an Eden way, in the ways mm-hmm. that it can be realized fully, then that is what would come of it, I guess. Yeah, that's very true. Um, what do you think, um, like, pilgrims and tourists should really, like, keep in mind when they're visiting someplace that they kind of idealize and becomes a sense of, like, gives them, I guess, and it fulfills their side, their specific Edenic vision, hmm. as our editor-in-chief would call it? Yeah, that's a super good question, Michaela. Um, I think in... This is just sort of from um, the class in general on tourism, yeah. but uh, I guess I think I would tell you if you're a pilgrim or a tourist somewhere, like, enjoy the experience, mm-hmm. like, but remember that the meaning that you make of this place is not the meaning that everyone makes of this place. Yeah. And be mindful of that and be respectful mm-hmm. of other people's meanings that they make, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's, that's very, very wise. And along the terms of kind of back on to the idea of Eden, how do you see God fitting into that perception of Eden? I mean, Eden, sorry. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I guess, wow, that's like such a deep question. (laughs) I'll try to answer it in like 30 seconds. (laughs) Yeah, you take Uh, your time. Yeah, God obviously is like the fullness in perfection that Mm -hmm. we're talking about. And um I guess I'm always thinking of, like, the new heaven and new earth mm-hmm. and um, how it's, like, this perfected, fully realized. I know I keep saying that, but I don't have mm-hmm. better words. Yeah. Like, we don't have words. That's kind of the point is that yeah. we don't know what that's going to look like and words mm-hmm. fail us at that point. And what we can do is, like, keep striving and um, letting things come and flourish out of contestations. And mm-hmm. um, But right now, like, all we can do is, like, look forward to that. But that doesn't mean that we have to, like, backslide, mm-hmm. I guess. So God is this, um, yeah, just this, like, full realization, the completion of creation and everything that that means, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's very true. Um, when I think about, like, Eden in today's time, kind of just in the midst of COVID and just the events that we've been going through, I just kind of, I feel like a lot of people are longing for a sense of renewal and a sense of hope, but kind of what has been your take on just these recent events in terms of how we as Christians should approach our Edenic vision in a way that is actually moving forward rather than looking back? Yeah, yeah, I think it does tie in really well to, like, COVID and, Mm -hmm. like, you know, the racial unrest over the summer that, like, came to the surface instead of just bubbling under the surface. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, People, we always say, like, man, I can't wait till things go back to normal. And, like, yeah, yeah, at a certain level, like, I really do want things to go back to normal. Like, it would be awesome if, like, me and Michaela didn't have these masks on our faces while we were talking. That would be really fun. Mm -hmm. But um, at the same time, like, again, just, like, you can't just, like, want to return to this state of, like, ignorance and innocence. And that also Mm -hmm. ties into, like, racial awakening. Like, you can't just be like, okay, I'll just go back to when I didn't think about this. Mm -hmm you were privileged enough to not think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to, like, keep going with it. And that's when the actual fruition comes. And Mm -hmm. so Eden, Eden, in some senses, Eden isn't enough. Like, you have to have the new Eden, too. Okay. 
Yes, I like the idea of the new Eden. I think we all need that. <laughs> mm. um, and if you don't mind, uh, I know that your father is from El Salvador. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Um, and so you are considered a person of color. And so how is that kind of your racial identity? Um, and I don't know much about your class identity, but how does that kind of fit in with your exploration of these contestations between the locals and the pilgrims in Waco? Yeah, that's such a good question, Michaela. Um, it's... Yeah, like you mentioned, like, it's kind of weird because, um, like, I am a, like, Waco is my hometown, but um, neither of my parents was from Waco. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom was from California. My dad is from not even this country. So, like, (laughs) uh, pretty different. And so, like, even while I grew up in Waco and, like, um, was there, like, and that was, like, my place. Also, like, I had this sense that it wasn't my only place and it wasn't my family's only place. Mm -hmm. And, um... Yeah, so, I'm sorry, I forgot, like, the wholeness of your question. No, it's okay. Um, I was just kind of wondering how, like, your personal identity, like, these aspects of your religion, your race, your class, how that kind of has, how do you see that kind of fitting in into the contestation between the Waco locals and the tourists? Yeah, okay, so, yeah, so I guess what I was getting at, and (laughs) so now I remember what I was thinking of, is that, like, while I was a Waco local and am in some sense, like, I also had this sense of distance from it, which yeah. I think is part of the reason that, like, I gravitate towards anthropology because it lets you be an insider and an outsider at the same time. Like, you're participating Ooh. and observing, that's which is something I've kind of always done. Yeah. Um, so that's why it just sort of made sense for me to, like, write an anthropology paper about Waco. Mm-hmm. Like, um, But so that's definitely, like, impacted my experience, like, of trying to understand and I think that before like I wrote this I could be a little bit judgmental of tourists because like when you're a local it's like sort of fun to be like oh those tourists like whatever like I went and tortilla tossed off the bridge before it was cool and like (laughs) and like that's just sort of fun to do but then this project actually gave me empathy for like people that don't call Waco home and Mm -hmm. um uh, like oh I can understand why that might be what you think yeah. If all you do is, like, go to this one store. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, not judging people for not having the same vision of Waco that I do. Yeah. From living there for, like, 18 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I guess, like, that that sort of all ties together. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think your just general exploration of your hometown has been very inspiring because I personally am from a city that's like about 30 minutes east of Seattle which is a really big city right Mm -hmm. now in the U.S. so just kind of you've almost inspired me to explore like the roots of Seattle and kind of just understand from like a tourist view why is it like what attracts people Mm -hmm. um obviously there are bits that I already can kind of infer but also like what keeps locals here and also what like is could be deterring if it became like much more if it wasn't so you know hidden Hmm. um so I think definitely like this in reading your essay it's almost become like an invitation for readers like me to kind of do the same with their Hmm. cities that they call home regardless of whether or not it's actually a touristy place um yeah how have you kind of with um like one last question uh with your hometown kind of as you return to your hometown you know for breaks and things onward, how do you see yourself interacting with these different types of people um, in your daily life now that you've kind of explored the depths of these relationships? That's a good question, too. I mean, like, 
because of COVID, obviously, like, I haven't, like, done a whole lot. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, go downtown and stuff as much as I mm-hmm. used to. Um, but, yeah, that would be... So, I guess the answer to that would have to be it remains to be seen because, like, <laughs> over the break, I was mostly just, like, with family and yeah. stuff. Um, not really, like, engaging with Waco as a whole as much as mm-hmm. I do in non-COVID times. Um, but, yeah, it would be really interesting, to, like, moving forward, um... To see, like, what I notice. And I think I, like, I go on bike rides a lot, yeah. like, through my town. And so I think that already, like, this um, this essay has made me just, like, see the buildings and, like, the spaces mm-hmm. in a new way. And really notice, like, okay, like, what's happening there? And, like, when there's gentrification happening. But yeah. also, like, um, or, like, the lack of development in any way. And, like, just seeing, like, the different... Just the different stuff happening, the different people claiming the same space. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. super interesting. And um, that would be cool to, like, keep thinking about and keep exploring for sure. Yeah, it's very, very valid and um, inspiring. Well, thank you so much for coming on here to share your story, Elise. I really, really appreciate it. There's just been so much depth in this conversation that I've just got to sit back and let it all seep in. Um, But yeah, I'm so, so excited you came on here today and we got a chance to talk about all this. Yeah, thank you, Michaela. This was super fun. All right, guys. Thank you for joining me today as we explore Eden and what it means to each contributor. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple. And if you haven't gotten the chance to check out the digital issue yet, it's on wheatonpod.com. Or if you want to check out more about us, then look on our Instagram at wheatonpod. I wish you all the best. Cheers.